This episode of the Halloween Podcast is brought to you by Robinhood, the commission-free stock trading app. Have you ever been interested in trading stocks? Robinhood has made it easier than ever. With this free trade, zero commissions app, you can now trade stocks for free. You no longer have to pay outrageous trading fees. It's absolutely free. If you sign up using our referral link, you will receive a free stock, and the Halloween podcast will too. Need help getting started? I, Lyle, can personally coach you after you sign up. You don't need hundreds of dollars to invest. You can do it with as little as $5. Just go to tiny.cc slash Halloween Robin Hood. That's tiny.cc slash Halloween Robin Hood and get signed up. There's a link in the show notes. For now, let's get the show started. Welcome to another episode of the Halloween Podcast. I am your host, Lyle Perez, and in this episode, I'm continuing my look into more scary stories to tell in the dark. More specifically, I am going to look into the story one Sunday morning. Okay, so before we get into the story, I gotta say that if you've never seen the illustrations in these books by Stephen Gamble, you really need to. The one for this story is the one that scared me the most as a kid. I look at it now as an adult and this image kind of still scares me. If you're following me on Facebook, go over there right now so you can see this horrifying image. I'll put it up there for you guys a little bit later. Alright, so to the story. One Sunday morning is a tale about a church-going woman named Ida. She would always go to the 7 a.m. service, and while she would eat breakfast, she heard the bells telling her to go to church. On this one Sunday morning, she heard the church bell, but she was still in bed. She thought she was running way late. Like I said, she usually hears the bell when she's eating breakfast. She jumps out of bed, gets ready, and beelines straight to the church. She cuts through the cemetery to kind of save some time. There's already a lot of people there. She doesn't recognize anyone. She just sits down next to a lady who she somewhat looks at and says, "Eh, you kind of look familiar. She smiles at her and then notices that it's Josephine Kerr, and she's been dead for years. Her eyes adjusted the dim light, so she saw everything clear. She saw skeletons in suits and dresses. Then she thought this was a church service for the dead. Everyone there was dead except for her. The skeletons started to notice her and became very angry. The lady next to her kneeled in and told her that she should leave if she cares for her life. The service went on and Ida felt uneasy. She decides to step out and as she does, the skeletons start yelling to her to leave and that she doesn't belong here. 
Ida starts running out of the church. Some of the skeletons grab her clothes, her hat, and things and start tearing them up. They rip them to shreds. She takes off. And as she reaches the street, the sun comes up and all the skeletons disappear. Later that afternoon, one of her friends comes to her house to return her torn clothes. Or what's left of them anyways. Okay, so that's a frightening story. This is a clear case of what I like to call not knowing what time it is itis. This has happened to me before. When I was in middle school, I would come home and nap all the time. One thing you have to know about my childhood was that I spent a lot of time alone. My parents worked all day, so they left for work before I even got up, and they would be home around dusk. This one time, I had just gotten home from school and took a nap. I lived down the street from my middle school, so I would get there pretty fast. So it was around 3 p.m. when I fell asleep. Sometime around 6, I had woken up and walked around the house. It was dusk, so it wasn't yet dark and it wasn't light out. It was like that in-between moment. I looked around for my parents, brothers, or anyone because... It was around that time for everyone to be home. I looked at the clock and it was six something. In my mind, I honestly thought that I had slept through the entire night and that it was morning. It was six something in the morning. I start getting my clothes ready for school. I'm about to jump into the shower when my mom or I think it was my dad. I don't remember who it was, but they finally came home. I was about to jump into the shower. They asked what I was doing. And I told them, isn't it time for me to go to school? And then they told me, yeah, it's the evening. I don't know how I honestly tricked myself into believing it was morning. I think that's what happened in this story. Ida got such in a routine that when she heard the church bells, that was her cue for church. So when she heard it in the middle of the night, she just assumed it was time to leave. What a weird image though. You're inside a place that is so familiar to you, but yet everything seems so foreign. I believe this type of experience is called a uncanny. Can you imagine being in a place you've been a thousand times before with people that you've noticed all the time, people you know, but the people ended up being skeletons? It just makes me wonder how their clothes even fit. Was it too big for their skeleton bodies? Ah, the things that keep me up at night. Let's look at the source material for one Sunday morning and see where this story comes from. According to the source, Alvin Schwartz heard this story in the 1950s when he was a student at Northwestern University. As I was doing the research for the source, I discovered that when he mentions that he heard this story, he's not referencing the story of Ida. I think he means the idea behind the story. Like when I mentioned my experience with waking up thinking it was the morning. I didn't know that this was an actual thing. The source continues to say that there is a reference to one Sunday morning in, now don't laugh, in Crape Baylor. <laughs> Crape. I looked up the pronunciation of this last name and yes, it is Crape. Uh, okay, where was I? Baylor pages 114 through 25. Looking up this reference, it led me to the legend of the Baylor, which is from Irish mythology. 
Balor was the tyrant king of the Fomorians, a group of supernatural beings. Maybe the pasture in One Sunday Morning was supposed to be Balor? Who knows? After I found the legend, it led me to the actual book reference, which is Balor with the Evil Eye, Studies in Celtic and French Literature by Alexander Haggerty Crappé, published in 1927. I actually did find this book and went to page 114. On that page, it talks about a part in the King Arthur story. King Arthur's court has fallen under a curse. To break it, he must make the pilgrimage to the chapel of St. Augustine. He talks to his squire named Chaos and tells him that they are leaving in the morning, so he better be ready. If you don't know what a squire is, I will tell you, in medieval times, a squire is somebody who is accompanying a knight as his shield and armor bearer. Chaos listens to King Arthur and falls asleep. In the middle of the night, he dreams that dawn broke and he overslept. He believes that they left without him. Not wanting to disappoint his master, Chaos gets up and heads out. He comes to a chapel in the middle of a cemetery where he finds many coffins. There's a dead knight in there with four lit candlesticks made of gold. He takes one and leaves. He goes into the woods where a ugly black man demands it back. When he refuses to give it, the man stabs him with a knife. Chaos wakes up with a cry inside of King Arthur's hall. He's seriously wounded and he has the candlestick right by his side. He has just enough time to tell his story and confess his sin before dying. King Arthur sets out alone and comes to the chapel where a mass is being held. He can't go inside until mass is finished. The hermit who's at the chapel tells him what caused the disturbance in his court and what he can do to remedy it. This type of incident is referred to as the Perilous Chapel or Dangerous Cemetery. One Sunday Morning is based on this type of tale. The story follows this type of outline. 1. A person believing to have slept too long leaves at dawn. Ida hears the church bells and believes she's late for church. Number 2. They arrive at a chapel. Ida rushes through the cemetery and reaches the church. That's kind of like a chapel. Number three, they violate a taboo. She's at a service where she's not supposed to be at. Number four, they are struck by a supernatural agency. The skeletons tearing her clothes and ripping them to shreds, maybe? Number five, although the whole thing was a dream, they find themselves injured as proof that what had happened to them was more than just a dream. This is where Ida's story differs from the formula. I'm assuming that because this is a children's book, maybe the idea of Ida being seriously injured by a supernatural entity might be too much for the reader. So maybe Mr. Schwartz opt to have her coat and hat ripped to shreds instead of Ida? I don't know, but number five still kind of fits. As far as the dream part goes, we never get that in the story. We just get that Ida gets home and then it flash forwards to the afternoon. Ida never wakes up from this dream, but she does question whether it was a dream or not. Number six, they die as a consequence for their action. Although Ida never died in the story, 
she never really suffered any consequences for her action either. Ida never really did anything wrong in the story. The only thing that I can think of was that she did run through the cemetery to reach the church sooner. Maybe that's the taboo she violated? Her consequence was getting her coat and hat ripped to shreds. All but five and six fit perfectly with the story. Let's continue with the source material because trust me there's more. On page 116 of Balor, the author does make a reference about an incident that was said to take place in 1931. Now this account is very similar to One Sunday Morning and sure enough, it even mentions the title in the story. It is a little different from Mr. Short's version but it is very similar. You can read the entire story in the Balor book, page 116. But if you don't want to read it, I'll paraphrase it for you right now. It's about a maidservant named Josephie Carinder. She was always late for church, so this one Sunday morning... <laughs> see? She woke up at midnight thinking that she had overslept again. She jumps out of bed and heads for the church without looking at what time it was. The moon was still out and it was cold. She heard a bell and thinks that it's the second or third bell for mass. When she sees the church, she notices crowds of people on all sides. She doesn't recognize anybody. She crosses the cemetery like Ida does and enters the church. It's full of people, but it's not noisy like it usually is. The priest comes out, but she doesn't recognize him either. He invites the people to say a prayer for a... Now don't laugh because I'm not French, but I'm going to try to pronounce this name. He wants him to say a prayer for a Frances Ledantec, whom he says is to the point of death and she'll be dead by the end of Mass. Josephie was surprised by this because she knew Francois, but didn't know she was sick. A woman entered and kneeled in the corner. Josephie recognized her. It was someone she knew who had been dead for three years. She was confused, but everything ended when the priest left. Josephie left and made it back home. She discovered everyone was still asleep. Convinced that time for the mass had come and gone, she decided to wake up the master. She told him everything she saw and the death of Francois. They looked at the clock and it was 3 a.m., the master sent her back to bed. Before she went to bed, the neighbor knocked on the door and told him that his wife had died. No one was there when she passed, so Josephie couldn't have known that Francois had already died. She later repeated her story to the neighbor and to the priest. The first half of the story is very similar to Ida's, but the ending sure isn't. I guess it's safe to say that this is where Alvin Schwartz got the inspiration for One Sunday Morning. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night thinking it was morning or vice versa? Like I have? If you have, please let me know. I would really love to know if somebody else out there had one of those experiences like I did. So that's going to do it for this episode. If you like the Halloween podcast and want to support us, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can leave us a five-star review on whichever podcatcher you use. If it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever, you can leave us a review and please make it a five-star. It may not help with the ranking, but it sure will tell people that this is a podcast they need to check out. 
You can also become a Patreon supporter and get some extra content. Just go to patreon.com slash thehalloweenpod and get signed up. You can support our sponsors at the beginning of each show. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can do so at facebook.com slash thehalloweenpodcast. We are also on Twitter at thehalloweenpod. Thank you guys so much for listening and for all of your support. I really hope you're enjoying this series on more scary stories to tell in the dark. I will see you guys again tomorrow for an in-depth look at the story sounds. Have a good night.